This gets a, a fun reaction out of both Democrats and Republicans. What's the difference between Herschel Walker and Barack Obama? One's actually intelligent. Herschel Walker has his name on too many birth certificates. Oh my god. Oh, I'm stealing that. <laughs> I'm stealing that. So good to have you here. How are you? Fantasy come reality. You know how it is. And Della, Delalicious, oh my god, you're here. I am live and in color, full color. And why do I look like a boiled chicken? I don't know. Because you're delicious. I am. <laughs> I, just, I just need seasoning. I need some some everything bagel spray, not pepper spray. Oh my god, Della, oh my god, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you. Your oh. hair's gotten so long. Oh my god, thank you. So... Welcome to what is now the Trans Narrative Podcast. We changed our name along the season because it just fit. It fit better. Well, you changed your names a couple times too. So, I mean, that's that's perfectly fine. It's well, only fair. It is. I, well, I didn't know who I was or what I was going through last year. So I was just like, well, um, the only but one. Does anyone seen... truly know who they are? Uh, I mean, I know that I'm a Catholic slash eldritch nightmare wrapped in a human flesh suit i don't know what any of that meant but that was wonderful <laughs> love Gratian. so so, so Della, this is my my one of my many co-hosts now we have six trans women all together on the show this is lucy she started at the very beginning with us well hi lucy i guess i'm i well, not at the very beginning because... you are you're literally the beginning oh yeah, i thought you were talking about episode. lucy i'm like no girl she wasn't there no, you nope. were you were the first. Nope. You were the first. I was. You're the only reason why we have a show was because I didn't know what I was doing, and I just went through and I thought, you know, I'm gonna ask Della, and then you said yes, and then I was like, oh God, she wants to talk. I was like, well, I guess this is real. So, <laughs> well, I don't know that I wanted to talk. I think it was more that I was, I was coerced into it. But here we are. Yes. Did well, she I twist your arm and your leg? Um, no, no, but she promised me chicken nuggets. I just didn't get any. Della, but yes. it has it has been ten months since you sat down with me on our first episode of what was formerly Transatlantic Conversations, which is now the Trans Narrative Podcast, and you're here again on our season finale. I'm so happy to have you here. Well, I'm happy to be here. It's a wonderful time. It is. Well, I guess some could say it is, but it's a wonderful time here with you but not so much out there in the in the world are your headphones camouflage um yes they're my father's video i, game I could set. barely see them i wasn't sure what was going on <laughs> i just can't see them at all i thought it was just some some kind of strange invisible headband yeah i thought john cena had his hands personally over your ears <laughs> I didn't have a microphone when I last did this show with you, did I? No, I did not. No, you didn't. I just sat wide open all naked like that. All air. Well, I mean, if we're talking about getting naked, Um, I am just wearing pajamas. I I don't like to be naked much that I even shower in a bathing suit. And that's mostly because my grandmother always taught me never to look down on the unemployed. Well... (laughs) <laughs> do you practice your breaststroke while you're in the shower um, the only to check for lumps oh okay good and depressions <laughs> oh i think everybody these days has that that's what i <laughs> take my happy medication so della 
it's a it's a crazy world out there i don't know what we should talk about if we just talk about fun stuff or we should just go right to the core of like um, the i think that's we most can, important i i think we can do both i think so they're interrelated right now yeah with the yeah. uh, attacks on drags to the uh, on the drag shows like you literally have alt righties shooting up um power stations and mm-hmm. Removing the power of 40,000 people just (laughs) that one drag show, which still, because drag queens are very resourceful, happened. Mm -hmm. You can't stop us. We're everywhere. We're your children. Well, I mean, it's it's people... I, I don't understand why people think that, A, the whole drag queens want your children. No. No, we want your husbands. We don't want your children. Children mm-hmm. don't have any money. They're like little homeless people. Ooh, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'm thirsty. Give me a dollar. Fuck off. They're needy homeless they people. They are. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I can't cross the street without an adult. No, I'm right. Good. No, no. Go play in traffic. <laughs> Personally, I don't like... I, I do all ages shows um, just because I know that there are kids out there who know well in advance of a lot of other people who they are mm-hmm. and and i i want to to make sure that they have validation in their lives but i would rather be in a place with alcohol you know yeah. and and adult themes and adult language than you know waiting for some two-year-old to decide to stick a dollar out and it's Wait, always so they just still a dollar tip? it's not a five yeah sometimes Oh wow! Like t- children don't even have a concept of money. Like no, what? they don't know what tax is. Yeah, like when when an adult goes to a drag show, it's like you're not getting just one dollar because that's like that's nothing. Mm-mm. Well, I love when people make a big deal out of giving you a dollar. A dollar? Just yeah, they'll, they'll, they make they'll, a big deal out of a dollar. It's a dollar. No, but, so if if you ever see it um, in a, in a show, somebody will go to his hip and they'll hold up the dollar and go like this, and you know try to make you work for it like no that's it's one dollar no you need to be at least like a 20 plus right in order but not, not even don't even play this game just stick the money in my tits and let me go back up to the bar and get a shot i mean that's yeah one dollar like i'm sorry but no like you're gonna get a voice for a little bit i was in a sh- and i've gotten some really big tips in my life and i've also gotten some money but there was um one show i was in i did proud mary and just moved all over the place like i something that it it was i was younger and had hope at the time and Uh um for reality stole that from you right right and this guy came up to me and had his hand like this and i thought oh this is a big bill he doesn't want anyone else to see what it is it was four quarters he ran out of ones so he came up and handed me four quarters I hope you took those four quarters and slapped him with it. Just mm. no, because I mean that 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 shows ultimate privilege. I think to do that because I mean some people it's a lot. A dollar is a lot of money to some people, and a dollar is nothing to other people. Yeah, but four quarters. Yeah, but I mean, as my father, who has lots of money, says, if you watch the pennies, the dollars take care of themselves. And I'm mm. watching a penny right now in the corner of my screen. How are you, Caroline? Oh my god, <laughs> I'm so good. I'm so good. I was just thinking actually about privilege, because when I started the show out with you, I was so 
engulfed and privileged that I don't think I had a clear picture of the world. The first big question on the show that I asked was in regards to like the 29 states here in this country that were like actively pushing anti-trans and LGBTQ plus legislation. And I got your opinion on that. And then over the course of 10 months, um, <coughs> it's the rhetoric has gotten so dangerous that mm-hmm. they have shot up in uh, electric boxes and, and taken out an entire town of 40 thousand people that's that's how far this rhetoric has gone and if it's if it's even there where will it go from here well i i think it's the the most dangerous place for me to be is in the comment section on like local news um they did a story about me a couple months ago it was i thought it was just gonna be a quick little you know whatever story it was it was a segment on me and it was beautiful um but the comment section which i should not have gone to was talking about how i'm a sick and twisted individual and coming for the children and blah 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 blah. and the 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 people feel that emboldened and empowered to say and do nasty things that's i think the the catalyst for a lot of these attacks because people live in a vacuum they live in a bubble um, be that on any social media sites, um, and they build that bubble with the people they follow and the people they're friends with. And they think that everyone else in the world feels the same way that they do. And they don't. It's completely incorrect. Um, everybody else has differing opinions about anything. But um, I feel that people feel so emboldened to have those opinions and they think they're right and they think that those opinions are espoused by everyone else in the world and that's where danger comes because they feel that comfortable within their wrong opinion that they're willing to to take steps because they think they're saving the people that that do not share that opinion but should do you think social media plays a role in like perpetrating violence to our community, like the algorithms and such? Social media is a double-edged sword because you have your keyboard warriors that get fired up about something. And this can be said for either side of the coin that um, people just get so upset. And it's a, it's hard to understand um understand intent behind text and there are so many people that get lost in in minutiae within that text that the actual message gets skewed or forgotten but you can also through social media promote events and and ideas that need to be promoted what message do you would you say that you're actually putting out there um, I'm gorgeous and funny. I mean, that is correct. That's the message. That is true. That is, that is the message. True. But shouldn't um, the message also be, hey, give me some money? Right. No, I mean, that's that's cool. that's implied. Oh, okay, it's like good. The okay. In, it's like the I in conversation. The I is implied. Um, no, my, I'm the, the message that I try to promote is just one of, of fun and acceptance and just laugh a little and it makes the world a better place to even if you don't feel like laughing and you know there are a lot of days when you're like god i just don't want to get out of bed i don't want to do anything uh, science has shown that if you 
fake laugh for 10 seconds, you'll start laughing for real. So you're coming up on 22 years on uh, yes. being a drag performer. That's so mm -hmm. exciting. Oh, my God. So has it ever been this bad out there in the world from what you've seen? No, no, it has not. But I, the one thing that I will, I will say that's a little encouraging is that the pendulum always swings back. And so the people who are currently fired up about drag shows, um, even if they have to take the power out from one that was an 18 plus drag show, um, they will move on to something else equally as stupid to attack and the heat will, will come off us. Sadly, that heat usually go, goes back on the trans community. Where did, uh, what inspired your name? Well, I was originally Delicatessen. Oh. And my friend Leslie Ryan said to me, um, it was at the Three Rivers Festival fireworks show um, in 2001. She said, there's already a very famous queen in one of the Carolinas called Delicatessen, and she sings live and plays the piano. And if you want to make a name for yourself, then you should have a name that is just for yourself. And so Delicious was born on that on that show. It was I I think I was I was less than a month into it, into drag. And so this was probably my third show. And that's when we changed the name and it stuck. What do you, what are some things that you wish you had known before going into drag? Um, I don't think it's stuff that I it, it drag to, it is a learning process. You're constantly honing your craft. You're constantly growing. Um, you're adding things to your repertoire, and so. In that, it is a it is a constant learning process. I do, however, wish that I knew um, not to be taken advantage of and feel like I had to buy people's friendship. But mm -hmm. I think that's that was me, you know, outside of doing drag too. Always wanting to be accepted and wanting everyone to like me. And now it's just like, you know what? You either get me or you don't. Yeah. I feel that's a young people thing, wanting to be accepted mm -hmm. by a lot of people. But then as you get older, you're just like, I'm going to die anyways. Like, yeah. Right. And, you know, now that I'm 29, I, um, I don't really care about people's perception of me. I do care if they have a, a, an ill perception of me based on something that isn't true. But if they don't like me, you know, because I am who I am or what I am or because of the things I say, I accept that. If I offend someone, I either don't care or I really do care. And that's just based on, the, the, it's a situational thing, but um, but yeah, I, I don't really care what how people perceive me outside of that as long as it's based in truth. Yeah, I'd agree with that. What has been your biggest achievement in your 22 years of performing in, um, in this community? I would say my biggest, well, I, I've performed in front, I've appeared and I've appeared and performed in front of massive crowds. Um, but I would say that my biggest achievements uh, would go into just the 
I would say it's either the fundraising um, that I've been able to do uh, with my platform, or it's been um, just still being around, you know, 21, 22 years later, which that in itself, a lot of people don't make it this far, don't still get booked, don't still do shows. And that to me is an incredible blessing. What's been your biggest failure and what have you learned from that? Um, I would think that and it's not really a failure, but we, um, you know how they say drag top and drag time is not the same as what's on your watch or on your phone. Uh, we started, <clears throat> we kept pushing the shows out farther and farther till it was, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes, even an hour after the advertised showtime. And so I said, you know what? No, we're starting when we say we're going to start. And that way we'll, we, we don't wait on the crowd to, to build up. We train the crowd on when to be there. Ooh. And so the day that that went into effect, um, I was, I already painted my face and it was just before the show and I decided to go out and have a cigarette and I was talking to some people and I heard the overture start and I was first up, but I was in scrubs and I was like, shit, there is no way I can get, you know, in body and hair and jewelry during this three minute overture to be out on stage. So I ran into the dressing room, tried to get as put together as possible, like got my lashes on and went out in scrubs to Taylor Dane's song, Beautiful. And when asked about it by the show director later, I said, well, I just thought it was funny to come out in scrubs singing Beautiful because uh, that way it was a, a salute to the beautiful nurses out there. When in reality, I just completely slacked and um, missed the curtain time is there any event you'd do over like if you could besides that one um you know i wouldn't even do that over because i thought it was funny in in hindsight there are a I lot agree. of things that i say that once they escape my mouth i try to get them to go back in but the words never go back in um just because i have the talent the ability and the superpower to say the absolutely wrong, the, the most wrong thing at the wrong time mm -hmm. and not out of malice in any way, shape or form. As an example, on last Thursday, we had the rededication of our AIDS memorial here in Fort Wayne at a cemetery. And they asked me to be part of it because I was in the original dedication 18 years ago. So I go <clears throat> and I thought, you know, I want to sing a song, but they had me sing Amazing Grace, uh, during which I forgot the lyrics and started making them up, which doesn't work when it's a song like Amazing Grace. No, it uh, works. It was something. Uh, and then um, the other song they had me sing was Love Can Build a Bridge, which I've never been a country fan, so that didn't go off too well either. So this time it was me picking the song. And so I thought, you know, one of the first songs um, that I, and I heard this, that one of the first songs about the AIDS epidemic uh, is Bette Midler's song, Friends. And I thought, 
perfect because it's kind of an upbeat song, but it's relevant to the topic. And then I looked it up and it has absolutely nothing to do with the HIV epidemic. Um, even though Bette did sing in 1991 at a, an AIDS fundraiser, she sang that song and it's very touching. You look it up on YouTube, it's fabulous. But um, I still, I, I downloaded the song. I had it ready to go. I was wrong, whatever. And you know, let's, let's head forward with this. Now, our mayor here in Fort Wayne, who is a, such a nice guy, um, a couple months ago, he got into a car wreck and um, it was found that he was drunk. And oh. so he got, a, he got an OWI. And um, so I did not say, make any joke about drinking. Like I walked in and I'm like, don't say anything about drinking. Don't do it. And so I go up to the, I'm walking up to the podium in my dress shoes, which I don't understand why um, men's dressier shoes have so much real estate between the end of the shoe and the beginning of the toe. But it's, they're akin to those um, Mexican dancing boots, you know, with the really, really- Yeah, it makes your feet look bigger. Right, right. Um, and so as I was walking up the podium, I tripped over a chair and stumbled forward. And there's the mayor right there. And I, I, I almost said, oh, I promise I haven't been drinking, but <laughs> can't say that, right? So, so I um, get up to the podium and they said, you know, hook your phone up to the Bluetooth and you'll have music going through that speaker and you can sing along and perfect. And so I hit play and nothing comes out of the speaker. So then I thought, you know what? I'll hold my phone up to the microphone and sing at the same time. And then I thought, this is stupid. Also, I forgot in, in my haste to get up there after stumbling in front of three different news channels, two newspapers and the mayor, um, that I had a Bluetooth speaker in my pocket just in case. So I'm in front of 25 people and I have the, this Bluetooth speaker and I put it out and I go to start singing. Then I can't get the mic off the mic stand. And it's, it was not that I was weak. It's because the mic had to come apart to come off the mic stand and then have the, the Bluetooth base put back on it. So get the mic on and I grabbed the, took the microphone and like, this is just a comedy of errors. And I kept making jokes trying just to kind of cover for the yeah. absolute atrocity that was my life at that moment. And um, I did say things like, I've never gotten this many laughs in a cemetery before. Mm. That, that was that was nice. It was and, so comical, even the dead were standing. Right, up. right. And you know that's why they have a, a gate around cemeteries, because people are dying to get in. Mm -hmm. But um, I thought but it was I, just because all those sexy skeletons in there. It is. Mm, gonna get bone tonight. So mm -hmm. this bone is so right. Hard. Give it it's to me. It's a bonus. Hey. Um, but anyways, uh, so grab the microphone, get it off the stand. They put it back together, hand it to me, and I said, "If this is how my day is going, I'll probably get in a car wreck on my way home." Mm. And the, the second those words escaped my mouth, I tried to get them back in, but there, there they were, you know, recorded. And of the twenty-five people that were there, five or twenty percent 
came up to me to tell me, hey, what you said was hilarious. I know you didn't mean to say it based on your expression, but I don't think anyone else got it. And if 20% of the people in attendance come up to say, hey, that was funny, but I don't think anybody else got it, everybody else got it. Yes, yes. So yeah, everyone else did get it. I would I would say that's that's a failure. I mean, that doesn't sound like a failure since you did so well, but at the same time, it does sound hilarious. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those <laughs> things that just um my father calls it pulling a Brandon, uh, because my name's Brandon. And <laughs> so yeah, that's that was that was it was a good day. It's a very good day. So are you putting any precautions in place uh, at the events that you are, uh, are working at? After, after the Pulse Massacre, we have, um, we have contingency plans. We have ways to deal with it. I made a joke <clears throat> that um, if there ever was an active shooter, um, you don't have to worry about going out the exits because there will be a a cartoon outline of my body in a hole in the wall and everyone could get out that way too. Um, but it's, it's, it's sad. That, that, pardon? You're just thinking of others. That's yes, I am. Hole in the wall. Just here. Oh, let me open the door for you. Um, what's, what's the best pickup line in a gay bar? May I push in your stool? So <laughs> I, um, no, but I, I think it's so sad and, and so just horrible that we have to live in a world where we have to make plans in case of an active shooter. Yeah. Um, because the the people in Washington will not take on the gun lobby um, because they're just so powerful. And you can take away, the best way to take the wind out of anyone's sails is to laugh at them. And if you don't understand what I mean, the next time you get in an argument, start laughing. And punch you. I mean, whatever. But no, no, um, I'm just saying that uh, laughing is so efficient at upsetting yeah. people when you laugh at them that they will. Some people will try to punch you. Over yeah, they'll it. just I've literally laugh all the way. Especially as being a, a trans woman using a restroom, like you've never seen anger like somebody who's trying to make a big deal out of you taking a piss in the ladies mm -hmm. restroom and then when you laugh at them they get so mad and granted i do love and crave violence but like it is hilarious to watch it makes me feel that much better about myself as also, long as you wash your hands it doesn't matter where you go to the bathroom well i i typically wash my hands afterwards you got to get the blood off but to go <laughs> back to your one stool joke any, anybody whose stool you have to push in, they were a terrible bottom. They have to clean first. Run a hose. <laughs> go, through, go through the car wash. So uh, when I have seen you, this is not on the list. This is off the cuff. Oh, so now you're She's admitting deviating. there is a list? She's deviating of from course. the list. Of course I have a list. Oh, I mean, see, it, was it, was just, it was just one piece of paper. No, listen, because... It's just because... a notebook. Because Lucy has been here with me for many the entire show, she knows that I I've recently not come prepared with questions, and I get I get sidetracked. So I thought, you know, it would be great to just make sure I have a list of wonderful questions that I researched would be great for this for this moment with you. So, did you know, uh, Della, that I've tried to work on my voice since I've last seen you? I can hear. I, you. 
Can you? Oh my mm -hmm. God, that's so exciting. Well, see, I lost the question that I had. So this is why I don't go off the cuff because I forget. I don't know what it is now. Well, honey, you have a pen in your hand. You could always add it to the bottom of the list when, it, I should when have you think that. about it. Oh, I remember what it is. So I've seen you performing. You seem very like um, show tunes, like Broadway-esque type of like performances. Mm -hmm. Like, what what are your inspirations for for drag? Um. Well, the original inspiration for drag was Divine. Oh. Um, the patron so I mean, paint of all drag queens. Yes. And kings. Yes, but yeah, you know, before RuPaul was a thing, there was Divine. Uh, RuPaul is a jerk. So. Ugh, RuPaul, God, but and the the the, uh, the lengths that people will go to to see some two bit reality, you know, show contestants when there is much more talent on the stage in the local bar, it just yeah. baffles me. And I'm not trying to take away from all the Rue girls because there are some that are incredibly talented um, that I know, but there are also a lot of other ones that are just, eh, yeah, whatever. Like Bianca Del Rio, I personally have absolutely no regard for simply because she just goes out of her way to be mean all the time. And it's like, you know, you can be mean and still be funny. Like look at Joan Rivers, but not currently. I mean, she went out of her way to be rude and crude and cruel, but she was also funny about it. And you could tell it wasn't personal. Whereas with Bianca Del Rio, it's, it's personal. personal. But um, I would say that just getting back to, uh, to, to who I model myself after, like the, the big brass, uh, brassy broads, like Ethel Merman, Bette Midler, uh, Judy Garland, Liza Minnelli. Um, and I love any singer who, who you can feel the emotion in their voice. Um, Aretha Franklin, Mary J. Blige, Patti LaBelle. I mean, you feel what they're singing. Uh, incidentally, there's a song that I heard on either a reel or a TikTok, or it was a real TikTok. I don't know which one it was. Um, which, by the way, TikTok is Satan, just because if you go, let me see what's on TikTok, and then next eight thing, hours later, in the morning, right? Yeah, it's Hate it's that. like a SpongeBob meme. Eight hours right. later, like shit, I'm still right, on. Right, right. You know, I have to get up in two hours. The fuck. Um, mm -hmm. But anyways, uh, there's a song by Paloma Faith, who is a British singer. Um, who also appears in the show Pennyworth on HBO Max, which is the origin story of Batman's butler. And it's really yeah, good. Alfred. Yeah. Very homoerotic. Mm -hmm. Love it. Yes. And the mm -hmm. first the first episode, there's a drag theme singing Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. I mean, it's just, it's an incredible show. I but anyways, her so she, um, well, they tried to make her go to rehab. So, um, but she said no. She did. She said no many times. Like three. Um, <laughs> so Paloma Faith, who star, she's one of the stars in that show, um, which I recommend you watch just because it's really good. It it's, is so it, good. And I love that they don't pinpoint when it is because they'll be driving around in a, you know, dress like they're in the 50s, driving a car that looks like it's in the 60s while using a cell phone. Like, you can't pinpoint anything in it. I love that. Anyway, It's like Archer. Right, right. I don't mm -hmm. know what that means, but I'll agree with you. Um, 
So they have cell phones where they use computers from like the 30s. Right. With the big tapes going. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. Um so Paloma Faith had a song that was released in 2014 that I only recently heard called Only Love Can Hurt Like This. And it's just an amazingly gorgeous song. And I never heard it. And I thought, how has this song been around for eight years? And I'm just now learning of it, you know? Um, so I researched it and the the label, um, and this is really going far away from, from your original question. Um, the label would not release it in the US because it, the the video depicts an interracial couple and that was their thought in 2014 but if you get a chance to listen to the song only love can hurt like this it's very amy winehouse with an adele edge and like a doo-wop girl feel like it's fabulous but um no i i enjoy <laughs> segway city i enjoy yes. um I, en- I i enjoy modeling myself after after the people that were truly legendary entertainers, just so I can have a modicum of what they had. As somebody that um, is very active, what's the song that like you hate the most that performers always seem to gravitate towards? All I Want for Christmas is You. No, no, we've already established in as as a country that the Mariah Carey song is an SCP. So, and like the shows when you like you're performing tonight in in uh, I'm sure at After Dark. Mm-hmm. So you have a set list of songs. Do you have to like confirm with all the other performers that night that you guys don't like mix songs together? Or <laughs> um, every once in a while that ha- it happens that um, you know somebody will turn in the song that somebody else is doing and the reason that we don't know about it like we don't all get into a a chat and say hey uh, these are the numbers i'm doing tonight we tell the dj what songs we're doing and if you say if if i tell you that i'm doing an adele mix with um one and only rumor has it rolling in the deep then you as the dj can say okay well so and so is already doing that song. You're going to have to switch it. Right. However, if I say to you, I'm doing my Adele mix, well, that doesn't set, say anything. And so there was a show a couple of weeks ago that I was going to do Queen of the Night, and another entertainer was on stage doing Queen of the Night. And I'm like, well, I named mine. You just said Whitney mix. So that's that's that was stupid. Uh, well, so I actually, just... pardon. Why don't you just both go out at the same time? Uh, well, I was down in the dressing room when the song was playing, and I was like, oh, shit. And as I said, there are stairs involved. Um, so I didn't. True. Yeah, I, and so I just, I cut the number because I'm like, whatever, you know, that's, I'm not going to try to go out and do that song, even though I would have done it better. I'm not going to try to go out and do this song um, when somebody's already done it because as B.B. King said, the thrill is gone. Mm-hmm. What, uh, what's it like to, to host so many of these shows? Like, do you feel there's a responsibility to other uh, performers to uphold or? Um, you want to keep the show moving. You want to keep the crowd engaged. 
and um, you want to make the people that are there to celebrate feel celebrated while not, you know, turning the entire focus on the bachelorette party that is so ill-behaved and um, getting in everybody's way uh, and instead putting it on on the people that are the, the regular celebrating a birthday or, you know, some slight win. Uh, there is a, a lot of responsibility in that. And and having done this for as long as I have, you get down to a flow of what to do. And then it just kind of takes over. But I, I think it's more just keeping the show moving so that the crowd, because if the MC's up there talking forever, the crowd gets bored. Even if they're as hilarious as I am, they get bored. And so then... Um, what what's the point of of hosting the show you know get up there say what you want do a little shock thing you know do something that makes everyone laugh or intrigued or you know gets their attention and then move on is all drag valid Della? yes yes all drag is valid but all drag is not good okay what is I, and I think I asked you this in our first episode of the show. What is exactly drag? Drag is artistic expression of oneself uninhibited. Hmm. What what kind of different drags are there? Because I've only seen you know a certain few. What 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 is this plethora of drag I've heard? Um. Well, it's plethora. For one. Plethora. Um, oh my god. <laughs> So oh, there's there's many examples of different types of drag. Yeah, like no, drag is not something. Drag is like, and this is going to sound so horrible, and it will probably be picked up by one of your five listeners as as a tagline for the religious right. Drag is like pornography. Five. Drag is like pornography. You can't define it, but you know it when you see it. I like that. And just like with drag, not all pornography is good. No, no. Because who wants to see people smoking a cigarette and popping balloons? We need to see the penis. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> what if they're popping balloons and they're, they're using a penis to do it? Well, then I'd rather be the balloon. Okay, could good you, point. Good point. Could, you de could you deconstruct some myths about drag for our audience? Give yeah. us your worst myth that you, you would like to deconstruct first. Um because yeah. we know that it's all queen, about brainwashing. Okay, children. so the the first thing at, is that drag queens enjoy being around children. No. But they, they're just so tender. No, I've I've did I did one of those drag queen story time things and nice. I hated every second of it. Yeah, that sounds like a pain in the ass. And I not just, the fun type of pain in the right, ass. Right, right. And it was just, it was absolutely dreadful. Um, because they were kids in the audience. And just, no. Make it stop. Stop the insanity, as Susan Powder used to say. Do you feel that the world is heading in a direction of fire or, like, hell? Or do you think that there's hope? I think that the the pendulum is going to swing, and and uh, cooler minds will prevail. Is what I feel, and the last election proved that. Even though 
Herschel Walker was not completely beaten down into the ground in in the uh, the the election, the runoff election especially. Um, but he should have. Oh yeah, Herschel should have gone down in flames like the world, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's because people are stupid. People are inherently stupid, and that's something that the the sooner you realize how dumb people are, the sooner you can move on with your life. Uh, but I, in answer to to your question about if do I think we're heading to a burn down the world, we've been like everything is a complete crisis to someone, and what we need to do. Um, as cooler heads and cooler minds, uh, we need to not get worked up over every last little thing. Um, We have to pick our battles. Because if we say the world is burning, the sky is falling, the sky is falling, chicken little, every time there is a slight transgression, um, nobody's gonna listen to us. But if we pick our battles and what is truly important and what has long lasting effects, then I think that we can not only have a better dialogue uh, with people on the other side of the aisle, I think that we will inherently be better off. But that does not mean to turn a blind eye to politics. My brother said uh, to me recently that I would be much happier if I did not pay attention to politics because he stopped paying attention to politics and he's much happier. And I told him I do not have that luxury. Is he, is he, is he straight and has yes. and cis? Yep. He has the privilege to be able to not right. blind, but right. to not pay attention to politics because right. his rights don't come up every four years. Right, exactly, and that's what I explained to him. I was going to ask if you consider yourself political, and then I was going to segue into asking if that was, um, if 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 that question or experience well drag is inherently political yeah i came to the conclusion that all things are inherently political when you're not a person of privilege yeah no then that's completely true because your existence will be labeled um political if you're in any sort of medium like you see like a black person in a video game and people are like whoa they made it political or right there's a black character in in the lord of the rings they got so worked up over that because it's so political because there's a black dwarf like all right fam like but like who's to say who lives in middle earth because it's fiction and besides if we think about it sauron is the good person he took a disenfranchised group of people gave them jobs and opportunities that weren't afforded to them solely because of their circumstance circumstance of birth and unionized like hey what are what are some of the resources that have helped you along the way in your uh in your life well um because of my parents uh through genetics and through uh my upbringing i was given the gift of a very analytical mind um so i can look at a situation and and figure out a, what the problem is, and B, what a solution would be. And uh, I think that that and surrounding myself with uh, with incredibly talented, smart people also helps. I, I don't have the answer for everything, but 
I think collectively, we can all come to the solution. And I don't mean collectively as in everybody's voice, because there's some incredibly stupid people in the world. But um, if you look at things like gun control, I was talking to a friend of mine quite some time ago about about what the, the answer is, what's the solution to to our our problem with firearms. And I said, the easiest thing to do is not to ban the guns and not to try to take them back or buy them back because, you know, the, those people with, you know, three first names that, that are very, you know, you can have my gun when you take it out of my cold dead hands, but we can make the ammo illegal. Yep. Make it very expensive too. Right. One way to do it. But that's very political, though, because that just... Oh, it's incredibly political, but we, we should be political. Not everything right. should be politics, Like, but when you get to things that affect the lives and and the deaths of, of countless people, you have to be political. That's true. You have true. to think of what, you know, what a solution is. Well, here here's a here's a question. All of these problems are rooted really in one big thing, and that I think is is this hot topic word that young people use so much now. It's just capitalism. They just go right to it. So it seems that that's like an overarching problem. So what's the solution to to dealing with with all the crises that are perpetrated from that? Well, um, I think that a lot of things would be resolved if we had universal health care. And um, if we had a better margin of income equality, mm. I think those two things would solve a lot of the issues um, in, in the world, not just within our country, but in the world. Because if people have enough to eat, then things cooled out. They don't feel as disenfranchised, you know, if, if they're on par with everyone else. Um, and there will always be some kind of inequality in the world. There will always be some kind of inequity. But we can try to at least slightly level the playing field a little more. I don't think that it is wise to have people um, who talk about um, how white people are getting the raw end of the deal uh why is there no white history month why is there no straight pride those ideas are all stupid because they think that equality is a finite thing and if everybody gets a piece of the pie that there's gonna be less of the pie for them but it's not finite it's like that that idiot from was it kentucky it's usually kentucky in these cases who said that uh, windmills are horrible because there's a finite amount of wind in the world. Yep, that's exactly. Yep, that's exactly. Yeah, yeah. They also said silly question. That same person also put silly questions about solar power. Like, oh, then what are you gonna do when the sun goes down? Hmm. Batteries. Yeah. That's what we're gonna fucking batteries. You fucking knuckle chuck. Did you know that the um international well the, the american coal worker whatever their museum is powered by solar power this does not surprise me because it's cheaper and 
fucking yeah. more efficient. Mm-hmm. Who would yeah. be your top three most uh, influential people <clears throat> in your life? Like influential altogether. Um, my grandmother on my mother's side, most definitely, because she is, uh, she was just a powerhouse of a person. And she was one of those people that you knew was an incredible person, but you learned even more reasons why to like her after she died. Mm. At her funeral, they were telling stories and everyone got up to, to say something, you know, and I had this speech written that I just kept crossing things off of because I was the one who was going to bring it on home, you know, and uh, people were mentioning things that I'd cross it off what I had written. Uh, so I, my, my bit ended up being much shorter. Um, but I heard a story about how they were going on the train to New York, um, my aunt and my grandmother, and there was um, an African-American man who was selling food on the train. And there was a white man who was also selling food at the train. Well, the white man said, don't go to him because he you know, started making up all this stuff about the guy. So people wouldn't buy from the other guy, they would buy from the white guy. And my grandmother heard that and she walked around and said, don't buy anything from this white guy because he's racist, he's a misogynist, this, that, and the other. And my aunt said she sunk down in her seat and you know, tried to disappear at the time. But now that she you know, understands that was a big blow for racial equality, you know, in, in the 70s on a train. This was just a, the little woman from Newfoundland, Canada that heard enough. Well, she's Canadian. You know, she's good people. Right, right. But in mm-hmm. Newfoundland, they're, they're, they're different. Are they're they? great people, but they're different. Oh, I just, you know, my image of Canadians is always just so positive. No, they're they're great, but they're it's it's not like Toronto, a eh? kind of Canada. Uh-huh. This is this is the rock that sits in the middle of the ocean that everyone sounds like they're from Ireland. Oh shit. And they all talk really fast and all, all the words are just kind of just marbled together. Yeah. 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 Mm. One of those things. So my grandmother, most certainly. Um, I would say, as far as influences go, you can't go wrong with Judy Garland, um, just because she was the original triple threat. Um, and she was so funny, and she was so engaging, and she's such a talent. I mean, yes, there are some things that I'm sure she looks back on now going, Ugh, but she was a huge voice for the LGBTQ plus community. Was, yeah. You know, years before anyone was truly out, they just had, you know, confirmed bachelors. And that yep. was it. Like they're <laughs> what they are. Friends uh, of Judy, right? Yeah. Friends of Dorothy. <laughs> friends of Dorothy, that was it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's and I would say the the last one, I'm not really certain. Uh, who I would say, like, to, to, to only pick three is ridiculous uh, and, and a very difficult choice. Um, a huge influence on my life is, uh, now I'm just realizing everybody on my list is dead, um, would be my friend Leslie Ryan, who uh, has since passed. 
um, she passed a couple years ago. Uh, she was a force of nature, showgirl, amazing. Um, she was always trying to be very relevant, very with the times, but she had this classic elegance to her, even though like she, she was a powerhouse of a woman, but she would constantly be on her guard like when she was in public because she was afraid that somebody would jump her for being trans. And so I would see her going out and either with her blinders on and you know trying to take no attention from anybody or she would look around so nervously. And I would be with her, like we would go shopping and I would make a spectacle of myself just to draw the attention away from her. I remember uh, once she had, <clears throat> she had cancer and it was in her rectum, rectum damn near killed him. And um, she was very, very, very agitated um, because they kept calling her he. And so, and this was, God, this was probably 15 years ago. So I was with her and I was, I made the joke, I'm in pre-op with a pre-op. Um, I was in pre-op with her and they, she was getting so just angry. And so I pulled everyone out of the room and I said, okay, so I know you're going by the paperwork that you have in front of you. However, the person that you're caring for lives as a woman. So please talk to her as such i said otherwise we're all going to have a big problem and i will guarantee you don't want a problem with me so let's go back in and just remember to call her her and referring to her as she and we'll be fine and they all listened they were all very nice about it very apologetic and they walked in there like they'd never met her before and you know she was treated the way she should have been and all of that all of that angst went away, you could see it going away. Uh, one of the things we used to watch, like a picture this, drag queens watching the Golden Girls. Um, we would watch the Golden Girls. And uh, so the, the, you, the, you know, the one episode where Blanche has to have surgery and the girls are trying to give her strength before she goes in to have her surgery. Um, as they're wheeling Leslie off to surgery, she looked back at me um, just to, kind of get like, it felt like she wanted one last bit of, of assurance that things were gonna be okay. And so I started going, over there, over there, send the word, send the word over there. So I would say Leslie's the third. Okay. That was the longest yeah. answer to a simple question. What would be your biggest message to the community right now? The LGBTQ plus community. Um, love and accept each other. There is absolutely no way that we as a as a group will be able to to move forward if we have all this infighting. And that's been a thing since it God, in the you know, 22 plus years I've been in the community. Um, it was always, you know, the gay men and the lesbians never got along. And then there were the drag queens, which were a complete separate group. And then that turned into the trans community. And then you have the non-binary and the bisexual. And like, we are all this wonderful, wonderful melting pot of different ethnicities, 
genders, sexualities, you name it. Um, so we cannot, if we're infighting, be able to ask people who are on the outside watching that, please accept us. What's the biggest key to, to acceptance within yourself and out there in the world? Well, you know, as my friend uh, John Lennon once said, famous wife beater John Lennon, um, he said, all you need is love. Do you think that's practical, though, in this world? Is, is I really, think, do you think, I that's think if, you, if you approach people and situations out of love and not out of malice or malintent or or what have you, I think that that yes, it does, it, it is practical. What is your message going into 2023? What would you like it to be for the world? Um, step in softly and don't fuck things up. Just because the last couple of years, you've heard people go, okay, next year's gonna be my year. And you know, we have monkeypox or we have COVID or we have all this other stuff. No, just step into the room quietly. Don't touch anything. And just try to get through it. Like that 2023 is the year for just getting through. It's not the year for thriving. It's not the year for making it happen. It's the year for just hunker down and pray for daylight. I will quote my dear friend Darcel Stevens from Orlando, Florida. When you're in Orlando, you, you pronounce the WH. That's true. Um, yes. Um, what does she say? Um, Stay safe yet vigilant. You kind of have to. Yeah. Do. So, like, pay attention to your surroundings, pay attention to what's going on in the world, but um, make sure that you're always safe in doing so. And always keep your pepper spray ready. Yes. And your salt spray. Salt spray, pepper spray, garlic, uh, salt spray. Pepper, yes. Garlic. We're going to put it all together and we're going to make a dish. Right. I'm gonna cook it with the taser. Everything bagel spray. That's what. That's Ooh, delicious. So I'm uh, very proud of the, the season. We've got 33 episodes, 22 guests. Lauren, we've had so much fun. It's been so great. It all started with sitting down with you 10 months ago. <laughs> ten, ten, what, what a difference 10 months make. Uh, well, well, thank thanks you for, for the memories. It's been such a pleasure. Thank you for being here on our season finale. I'm so, waiting for Caroline to get back onto her list to pick another question. There's nothing to do with oh, what she said. Oh, whatever. No, it's not. Stop it. Uh, You're show me your list. Calling, show, calling her out. Right. Show me, show me your list. What list? I just have an OPA. Uh, There's the list the on the other back. page. Didn't you right? see it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, I, I pull my question straight from the cuff. I'm like, what's the most painful part about doing drag? Is it the tucking? And then I'm like, wait, I tuck. So it's definitely not the tucking. I would say um, stairs. Hey, wait, before we go, I want to thank all of you for being here this season. I especially want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in each week, listening to us talk. When I started the show, there wasn't anyone but me. But early on, I was lucky to have found two amazing women. And you've taught me so much, Aria and Lucy. And we met up with Cynthia after a while and met Mariana. And Athena came and brought an element on the scene before. 
Graciously, all of you have stayed along the way, and I'm eternally grateful to have you in my life. We may not have been able to reach millions yet, but thousands? I can say we have. And it's because of you listening why we come back each week, and why we'll be back again next year. We strive to provide relevant information to the trans lens, something uncommon in our current society, a responsibility we hold dear to our hearts. We're thankful that you've listened along the way. And more importantly, I hope you see that trans people are just people, everyday hardworking people who struggle, who have joys, who have seen awful things and experienced glorious things. We're not so different. And to our siblings listening, we hope you have come to feel that you aren't alone in your journey and that what you're going through is real, valid, that you matter, and that your voice is more important now than ever before. Thank you for listening to what began as Transatlantic Conversations, an homage to my journey in what is now the Trans Narrative Podcast. We've dedicated this season to our siblings in the trans community and the journey we go through as trans people. May your light shine bright in the world, and may you find the strength to fight, fight for each other and a better world. On behalf of the Trans Narrative Podcast, thank you. I'm Caroline, signing off until February. It's so good to have had you here. Bye for now.